Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. Today is Wednesday, March 28th, 2018. I'm getting on the mic to come back after a week to talk about some Philadelphia 76ers, what I saw, what I think will happen, and what I'm excited about. And listen, I think everybody out there who follows the Sixers, the talk of the town is, holy fucking shit, Markel Fultz played the other night. That's right, you. I said it. Fultz was on the court. He played in the game, and not only did he play, he actually looked pretty fucking good. That's right. Brett Brown shocked the fucking world when he was like, hey, I got an update on Fultz. He's fucking playing tonight. Yeah, I I didn't even see the pregame press conference, so I just, I fucking tuned into the game, and all of a sudden, he was checking in, and I was like, are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, this was the guy who everyone else, I've been preaching, you know, shut him down for the year, the Sixers have been shutting down all kinds of guys for the year, why aren't we just shutting him down for the year, get him out of the spotlight, get him away from the media attention, let him figure out whatever the fuck he needs to figure out on his own so he can get back into action and start playing at the high-level number one pick that he is. Well, Sixers decided not to wait. I don't know what exactly was going on behind the scenes, but we saw it in real time when Fultz got onto the court. Monday night against the Denver Nuggets, he checked in towards the end of the first quarter, or was it, uh, yeah, I think it was the end of the first quarter or the, the second quarter, I don't fucking know. He checked in, played a couple of minutes towards the end of the first quarter, Um, looked pretty exciting, man. Got a standing ovation from the crowd. And it was also really exciting to see how strongly his teammates were there for him. You could tell that Embiid, Ben Simmons, Covington, these guys were clearly pulling for him. And I think we're, you know, in the, behind the scenes, this is a 19 year old kid who's getting a lot thrust upon him being the number one pick in the draft and going through some strange mental issue where essentially the only reason his shot isn't working is because he's got a strange mental block. Um, All of that aside, listen, I think he looked pretty exciting, okay? Because his passing was fantastic. I think he had about eight assists on the game. Um, you know, and his his energy and his attacking, he was not afraid of the moment. He got out there, he was attacking, he was passing the ball, he had his shot blocked a few times, and even though he would make a mistake or or turn immediately, the first time he touched the ball, he turned it over. And the thing that was nice was the fact that that didn't get underneath his skin. He bounced right back and made an exciting move right after that. Uh, and of all the things, I know we've talked a lot about his shot, it didn't look terrible. I could see where there were problems. There was a couple of shots where it was like, okay, he didn't get enough air underneath that ball, and you could see there were moments where, you know, pulling up into his shot didn't look as fluid as you wanted it to look, but it's there, and he had a couple of shots which looked great, and all of the things that you saw that would make you think he was a number one overall pick You started to see it on display the other night against the Nuggets. I mean, the ball handling, uh, uh, the defense. I think the defense was something that was really exciting to see. And uh, I mean, just his aggressiveness and his his you know his his willingness to jump right into it and be in the midst of it. Because there was a few times during the game where I was really starting to say, okay, you know, Brett Brown's just checking him in. I think to kind of see how he looks in this scenario and he's taking some minutes away from TJ McConnell to have Fultz play uh, the backup to Ben Simmons and I think he put him in in a few safe moments when the Sixers had a strong lead but towards the end of the game he put him in it a few times when the Sixers were only up by about three points and what was exciting was to see Fultz sort of lead the the B team to, uh, to a stronger lead before Ben Simmons even didn't even check back into the game. So it was really exciting to see what Fultz could do. This is 
listen, this is adds just another exciting wrinkle to this team because now that Fultz actually looks, we got a chance to see him, and he actually looks like he could be, you know, maybe not the biggest bust of all time at number one. He's certainly not Anthony Bennett. This guy's got chops, and, you know, if anything, it just shows the excitement for the future of this team. And also, what the hell is this going to mean for the playoff run? Because if he continues to play for the last 10 games and gets into this rotation, oh boy, you talk about a nice little sneaky weapon to have in your back pocket as this Sixers team goes into the playoffs. Because I got news for you, most of the Eastern Conference does not want to play this Sixers team in the playoffs. They are getting hot at the right time, and everything's clicking. Nobody wants to go up against this team. Which brings me to the Sixers at large. All right, thank you for allowing me to have a nice little Fultzgasm right there. Sixers, since I came on the podcast a week ago, they took care of business. Everybody they played, they were able to defeat. They beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, or who the hell did they play? Oh, so last week they played the Grizzlies, beat the shit out of them. Went uh, back-to-back, went to Orlando, beat the shit out of the Magic. Played the Timberwolves, that was actually a somewhat close game until the Sixers went up by 20 points. Thibodeau proceeded to bench all of his starters. And then in the fourth quarter, Thibodeau's B team actually crunched the lead. Aaron Brooks hit like several three-pointers and Brett Brown had to check his starters back into the game in the fourth quarter just to salvage the victory. But even when he checked his starters back in, Thibodeau left the B team in. I think it was more of his way of saying, listen, you guys brought us back in. You can ride us out. Either way, it ended in a victory for the Sixers and a loss for the Wolves. The Wolves got a lot of, you know, they've got a lot of introspection coming their way because their playoff seating is now disappearing in front of their very eyes. Then the Sixers had a home game against the Denver Nuggets this past Monday. Denver's exciting, but they have absolutely no defense whatsoever. That was on display when you saw the Sixers put up about 120 points on them and also got an opportunity for Markel Fultz to uh, be put on display. A few other things to report about the Sixers that I've been seeing is that, listen, they've got some strong defense. This is a great defensive team that I I think has improved over the course of the season. you got to give some credit to Brett Brown, you know, the, the turnovers are still really high, and I think that's still an, a serious issue with this Sixer team, but the defense is there. And, you know, when you see Markel Fultz doing what he can on the defensive end, and then you couple that with the energy that you're getting from Simmons and Embiid and Saric, I'm going to say it a million times every time on this podcast, I love Dario Saric. I think he's fantastic. He's gotten better over the course of the season. I mean, he's one of my favorite Sixers right now. I love his hustle, and he's probably one of their more reliable three-point shooters. I mean, he is a threat from three-point land, and I mean, I feel like he makes them at even more of a clip than Robert Covington, and I'm going to throw this out there, even J.J. Redick. I've been saying again and again, I love Redick, love his podcast, but I'm just skeptical about Redick's ability to hit clutch shots. He's able to hit moving three-pointers in midair, but sometimes when he's hitting the three-pointer at the buzzer, he doesn't seem to make it. So I'm seeing Saric knock down these big three-point shots at clutch moments, and you know, you cannot glaze over that. It's really something to be taken notice of. Um, speaking of hitting down, sh- hitting shots, I mean, Sixers are knocking down their shots. This rotation is being formalized. Bellinelli knows what he needs to do. Uh, Saric knows what he needs to do. Covington, listen, when Covington's hot and he's hitting shots, sometimes, you know, you can't even stop him. So to have the size that the Sixers have, with a front court uh, with Embiid and Saric and even Covington, and then having guys like Ben Simmons and J.J. Redick be your backcourt. I mean, 
These guys are really dangerous. They're able to rotate. They're able to guard whomever they like. And really, the only guy who can't shoot from beyond the arc is Ben Simmons. Now, that brings us to a little bit of a discussion regarding where Markel Fultz is going to fit into this playoff run. I mentioned it a little bit ago earlier. But, so Fultz is having an issue with his, sh- with his shot. Ben Simmons has no shot to speak of. So at this point in time, you can't put Fultz and Simmons on the court at the same time. And there's a lot of discussion about what is Ben Simmons going to look like when they get to the playoffs. When they get to a point where, you know, the rotations get shorter and uh, the game slows down and teams are able to game plan against a player who can't shoot like Ben Simmons. Now, the upside for Simmons is that He's so big and so athletic that he's been able to go to the hoop and attack anybody who's chosen to, you know, give him some space and not defend him that hard. So there's a thinking that Simmons is still going to be able to get his, even if there's teams that are going to lag off of him defensively and try to give him some space. If Fultz is having the same issues with his uh, shot, and we saw it the other night, even when he played against the Nuggets, the Nuggets were leaving him out on the three-point line, daring him to take a three-point shot, because I think they know he still doesn't have that three-pointer there yet. So if you've got Fultz and Simmons both shooting liabilities, they're not going to be on the court at the same time. Just cannot happen. And considering that I think Brett Brown probably wants to have Fultz be the backup to Simmons and sort of take some of those minutes from McConnell, it's going to make sense for the two of them not to be on the court together. Fultz being in the rotation, I really think the next couple of weeks and the last handful of games is going to tell us a lot about how he's going to fit into the rotation and if he'll even be in the rotation. It's clear he's a talent. It's clear there's an upside. And it's clear that there's some type of sixth man danger that he can bring to this team going into the playoffs with what we saw the other night. I mean, they were playing a shitty defense, but you've really got to sit back and say, listen, he's healthy. He's ready to play. He's been out of the rotation, but... He's been with this team all season, and I got a feeling that this whole reason he hasn't been playing has been a mental thing for a while now, which means physically, I think he's been completely ready to jump in and join this team, and I think deep down, he's been aching to contribute, aching to contribute, and... You know, to see him get out there and actually do something, I think it brought his spirits up. I think it brought the whole team spirits up. And I think he will find a way to fit into this playoff run. I'm not too worried about that. I actually think he's going to be just fine. Um, Now, before I get too deep into the playoff run, I need to mention the fact that Markel Fultz refused to answer any questions about his injury. So... Post-game press conference, he's at his locker, the the reporters are just straight up asking him about his shoulder, and he just stood there and didn't say anything. Now, this is a double-edged sword, because I can understand he doesn't want to feed into the crazy media cycle of people analyzing and scrutinizing him, his personality, and his injury to death. I get that, and I understand that probably that's played into his mental issue that he's had is this this powerful, you know, media and world pressure of focusing on him, trying to figure out what the hell's going on with him. I'm sure that played a little bit into the mental side of this problem. But listen, Markel, I know you're I know you're 19 years old. I know you're figuring this out. I know this is all new to you. But the fact of the matter is, you're the number one pick in the NBA draft, and you're in the NBA now. And I know you're a rookie, I know you're 19, but get with the fucking program, dude. Sooner or later, you've got to realize you got to talk to these reporters. You might not want to answer their questions, they might twist everything that you say, but the reality is, this is what it means to be a superstar in the NBA. And maybe you're not going to be a superstar, and maybe you won't have to talk to the press after every single game. That might be the case. I don't think you want that. I think you want to be a superstar. I think you want to have your own team. 
and when and with that comes talking to the press comes dealing with their bullshit questions, dealing with their stupid analyses, dealing with the fact that they twist your words. You got to go with it. Dude, you've got to start learning now how to navigate these guys and how to figure out the best way to feed them in a way so that they don't come back and bite you in the ass later. And I understand it's it's a touchy situation right now with your injury, but now's as good a time as any. You got to get used to talking to these people. You got to get used to it. You got to start getting it under your belt. Just like being able to get out there, shoot your shot, and and feel what real-time minutes feels like in an NBA game, part of that is also being able to be sweaty, feel have a terrible, terrible loss where you lost at the last second on a buzzer beater by the other team, and you feel the worst you've ever felt in your entire life, and less than 10 minutes later, a reporter is sticking a mic in your face and saying, how do you feel? What happened there? Talk about it. Recount the whole thing for me. And as much as you don't want to go into it, it's part of your job. Part of what they pay you all that money for is not just to play basketball, but to also answer those bullshit questions from the press. Sorry, Markel. Got to get used to it. Okay. Um, now, Sixers are officially on a seven-game winning streak. They are in the playoffs. They they got a playoff berth. It's the first time they're going to be in the playoffs since the 2011-2012 season. I'm really excited. And now, because this, uh, you know, um, these matchups with these teams um, have have moved so much, the Sixers are now in the four spot. They could be knocking on the three spot. They're only a game behind the. Uh, I think they're actually half a game behind the Cavaliers. And right now, the Sixers are lined up with the Washington Wizards. So let's do another. You know matchup between teams because I did it last week with the Cavaliers and of course I'm a big Sixers homer so I predicted the Sixers to win now let's do a matchup with the Washington Wizards the four or five the Sixers would have the home court and let's look at the matchups because as I said before sometimes looking at the matchups between these two teams will really give you a sense of what's probably going to come out because inevitably it's matchups which will dictate a series and and you know what you're going to expect from a seven game series you're going to see Ben Simmons going up against John Wall or, you know, I know Tomas Sadoransky has been playing great for John Wall, but the expectation and the plan since Wall went down with an injury is that he's going to come back for the playoffs and he's going to come back and be John Wall. I think Simmons and Wall is going to be a hell of a matchup. I think that Wall will probably struggle with injury, and I think he will struggle with Simmons defensively because Simmons has got so much size on him, but Right now, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to John Wall just because he's a monster and he's got the playoff experience, but I do think Simmons is going to give him trouble. Now you look at uh, J.J. Redick and Bradley Beal. That's another situation. I'm giving Beal the benefit of the doubt. I think Redick's a hell of a guy. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be the guy who's defending Bradley Beal. I think you're going to probably see more of Redick on Otto Porter Jr., and you're going to see Covington on Bradley Beal, but still... The, the Washington backcourt is the most dangerous part about them, and I think that, you know, on paper, those guys are probably going to be better than all the Sixers players who go up against them. Now, you get deeper into the rotation with Washington, this is where it gets scary. You got Otto Porter Jr. going up against Robert Covington. I think that could be a bit of a wash. I think that, again, you might see Covington having to guard Beal, and you might see Redick having to guard uh, Porter Jr., but, you know, I, I, I see the Sixers being able to win out on that one just because I I think they can, you know, I think they can score on Otto Porter, and I think they can sort of beat that matchup in such a way, because listen, the Sixers are going to want to take advantage of the three ball, and I think there's enough ability for them to pass the ball that the perimeter defense for Washington is not going to be able to keep up. The next level is Dario Saric going up against Markeith Morris. Now, 
this is a bit of a... I like Saric in this matchup. I think he will beat him. But Morris is a, is a tough, tough guy, tough defender, has a shot. That's a guy who's going to give him trouble. And even if he doesn't... Even if he doesn't, uh, you know, make it difficult for Sarge, he's going to get underneath his skin. That's going to be a hell of a matchup, and it'll be a real test for Sarge. Now, this is where things always seem to pan out for the Sixers: is who the hell's going to guard Joel Embiid? Because you you could say Marcin Gortat, you could say Ian Mahinmi. I mean, hell, you could say Markeith Morris. I think they're going to continually throw guys at Embiid. And I think that the Wizards are going to continue to struggle to try to contain him. And I think that's where you're going to see the whole series crack wide open. Because I think the Wizards have a lot of talent, but overall they don't have the same front court. They don't have the same front court offense or defense like the Sixers do. Like the Sixers just have a complete team. And I don't fully see Wall and Beal being able to work enough magic on the Sixers, at least on the offensive side of the ball to be able to get underneath the Sixers' skin and defeat them. I think the Sixers will be able to get what they need. They'll be able to score where they need to score. And I think defensively, they're going to be able to slow down Wall and Beal enough that they'll be able to win this series. I think the Sixers can win it in six, but I do think it's going to be a tenacious series. This is not an easy out. This Washington team has got a lot of experience. And, you know, even with John Wall coming back at not 100%, He's dangerous, man. He's a superstar. He can kill you on any given night. And that's the real wild card where I sit here and say, you know what? Wall and Beal are a hell of a tandem, and they're going into the playoffs. And there's no reason to think that that superstar power will not overwhelm the Sixers. So this is probably a better, this is probably a shittier matchup for the Sixers than the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's right. I said it. I actually think the Cavaliers might be a better matchup for the Sixers than the Washington Wizards. Now, on the same token, I think the Wizards have played not nearly as well as the Cavaliers or the Sixers over the last couple of weeks, but you know that might change once John Wall comes back. I'm still picking the Sixers. As exciting as as the Wizards have been and as as much experience as they have, you know I just I don't see them coming out on top of this series. I think the Sixers are way too hot right now. Okay. Um, Thing to look for right now. I'm going to get out of here because the Sixers-Knicks game just tipped off a few minutes ago. Uh, it's uh, I'm recording this at 6.15 Central Time. That's 7.15 Eastern Time. So they're playing a home game against the Knicks. I'm predicting they're going to win that. Next few games against the Sixers, you got them on the road against the Atlanta Hawks, on the road against the Charlotte Hornets, home game against the Brooklyn Nets, and then on the road against the Detroit Pistons. All those games, I think, are gimmies. I think the Sixers should be able to take care of business. Listen, they've been taking care of business. There's no reason to think they won't continue to take care of business, and that will mean beating the Knicks, Hawks, Hornets, Nets, and Pistons over the next few games. It's crazy to say it, but I think this seven-game win streak is going to turn into a five-game win streak. Knock on wood. I know it's a little ambitious to say it, but I'm throwing it out there, goddammit. They're playing really well. They're taking care of business, and I think they can keep this thing going. Go Sixers. All right. I'm out of here. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, This is Sam Rosenberg. This is Sam Sports Podcast. You can can subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. You can follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. You can follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Or you can always send me mailbag questions or just comments or just talk trash with me. Email me at samsportsstation at gmail.com. I'm getting out of here right now to go watch this Sixers-Knicks game. Hopefully you're doing the same thing. I'll be back next week. Thanks a lot for listening. Take it easy. Bye-bye.